love your weekend breakfast. With Refilwe Mbakanyani on 702. Let's walk the talk. And a Saturday morning is not a Saturday morning unless we've touched on parenting and uh, how best you can set up your children for a bright, brighter future. And of course, give them everything, the tools that they need to manage to navigate the world um, beyond, you know, you, you, beyond your help, beyond your guidance. Um, what are those tools that you're giving them and uh, imparting those skills that you're imparting to them? So today, uh, our parenting expert, author, speaker and uh, human potential expert Nikki Bush is unpacking um, why it's important to support children's natural curiosity and answering all the why questions. Of course, it's Nikki Bush and she's on the line. Good morning, Nikki. Good morning, Rufiwe. So, Nikki, you ask, or rather you're, you're, you're posing a very, very important, um, uh, or positing a very, very important uh, thought, something that we need to bear in mind, which is the importance of supporting children's natural curiosity and not getting impatient with all the why, why, why questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. fundamentally at the root of all of this is there is a reason. Uh, there's a reason behind children asking so many questions. Um, just in Absolutely. case, you know, just in case we've forgotten, gotten impatient. <laughs> What's that reason? Yeah, so why forms the basis of all human inquiry and it indicates a passion for life and a quest for knowledge and understanding and it really fuels all learning. And if you think about it, what if and I wonder are the driving force for exploration and discovery in childhood as well as in the future world of work. So one of our key tasks as parents is to ensure that we encourage our children to keep this kind of thinking alive so that it becomes a way of being. And any parent who's had a child between about the age of three and and six, when they're just, you know, learning language, um, I think it's such an exciting time of child development to listen and watch the acquisition of language because they start asking why and somewhere between three and five I think parents get very frustrated and irritated because they hear why so often (laughs) that they want to shut their children down but it's so important that we take these questions seriously. It's so important that we take these questions seriously and also remember that, you know, they're often children are often in, uh, encountering whatever situation it, it might be that they're asking about. Um, they're, they're encountering it for the first time or they finally are able to articulate that curiosity behind it because we forget, we forget that uh, these things that we take for granted that are sort of old hat to us are not mm. for children, right? Mm-hmm. And that's fundamentally what we have to keep top of mind. Yes, and I'll never forget being on honeymoon and we were on a boat, um, a little day excursion on Lake, Lake Malawi and there was another couple with a two-year-old and this child had never seen waves before. Now the waves on Lake Malawi are hardly big, sure. but the movement of the water splashing on the beach the sense of wonder in this child's face and trying to trap the waves, you know, jump on the little waves. And it's just that when children ask why, it does rekindle our curiosity and wonder at the world as well. And remember, our kids are explorers and they're trying to understand the world and how it works and to create their own explanations. So they're intrigued, they're puzzled, the world provokes them and they're bouncing ideas around and as you say, that sense of wonder. And um, they 
they, they need guidance to find the answers, preferably for themselves. So this is a key part of this conversation today, mm. is that we actually need to teach our children to find their own answers. So yes, children will do things when they're little, like pull a dog's tail to see what happens. Mm, <laughs> and mm. you know that babies are always looking at those plug points to see what's going to happen if they sure. put their fingers in the plug point. But, you know, they start asking questions when they get older of things like, why do we die? Or how did I get inside your tummy? Or why do birds have wings? And sometimes they're factual questions. And sometimes they're open-ended questions. And we need to get them really engaged. And it's like when a parent is playing with a little ball and suddenly they hide it in their pocket. Mm. And then their child looks at them and goes, but where did it go? Where did it go? And they start looking all over the show for where this ball disappeared to. And it's problem solving to work out where that ball has gone. Uh, a friend of mine's dad used to have the tickle monster, which was his hand. Sure. Um, and the hand used to come out and tickle us, and then it would disappear into his pocket. Well, that was the most amazing game in town. Very, very simple. And it, obviously, as we got older, we discovered the hand was in his pocket. I should hope. Um, <laughs> we should, yes, we should hope. <laughs> Absolutely. But that um, ability to actually help your child find their own answers comes with asking your child questions. Mm -hmm. So when they're asking you questions, you actually need to respond to them with, well, what do you think it is? Or where do you think it's gone? And, and to pose that, they call it Socratic questioning, mm. where you respond to a question with another question to get your child to think harder and deeper. So to really stimulate this inquiry-based learning, which requires reflection and mm. self-reflection. And, and I wonder, and so yes, your child might say something like, um, uh, you know, uh, why is the Southeast Asian food that we're eating tonight so hot? You might be in a restaurant, say, and what you're eating is hotter than normal. And then you can say, well, where is Southeast Asia and what's the weather like there? And then you discover that the weather's very hot. What happens to food in very hot weather? Well, it decomposes and it goes rotten. So in those countries, they often use spices. Um, to preserve the food, let alone make it hot to sure, taste, sure, sure. actually to preserve. So getting into those conversations that don't necessarily have an ending mm. is important. Yeah. And there's an art to doing that, right? Um, you have to you have to get comfortable with not wanting to be the final authority in everything or in anything and everything. Um, and you have to be comfortable saying, actually, we're both learning something together as well. Right, and uh, making and maybe sure you don't know the answer. Oh, yeah, you often know? you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> often you don't know. So you that's it. You everything till you became a parent. <laughs> yeah, that Socratic approach is uh, quite helpful, quite handy <laughs> in saying you yeah, know that we're both learning together. And um, and, and I also wonder. I've wondered this for ages. And let's, let's look this up together. together. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> let's look this up together and let's learn together. Something you touched on, uh, Nikki, is uh, is answering questions or how to answer questions, but it's also um, how to answer those awkward questions. Um, I remember listening to my colleague, Bongani Bingwasho, and they were talking about uh, the most awkward questions your child has ever asked you. And one lady called in or left a voice note saying, 
her child asked exactly what you uh, what you pointed out was where do babies come from um and then another one sort of in the same vein saying the child asked her about uh, virginity, for instance, and she just didn't know what to say, she says, or, you know, she didn't know where to put mm. her face. It was awkward for her. And how do you answer? We all have different thresholds. We all have very different ideas around what's uncomfortable, what's awkward, or what's difficult to um, tackle at home with children. How do you answer what is an awkward question for you? Mm. So I think we must always remember with children that for it to make sense to them, it's got to be as real as possible. So sometimes we go off on a tangent with a big lecture um, and maybe all they wanted was one word or maybe they just needed to know, um, like, for example, where do babies come from? Um, Maybe they just need to know their own birth birth story. How Mm. were they brought into the world? And make it really personal for them. So this is the beautiful story of how you were born. And say, for example, um, they were a cesarean birth. Um, and, and you could do this with a child, you know, you're probably going to have a child of five or six asking how they came out of your tummy. And you would, you would say, well, it was the most amazing day of my life. But you got stuck and so they had to cut you out of my tummy. Mm. But not all babies are cut out of their mum's tummies. Some babies pop out of, and it depends what word you use for that part of your, your anatomy mm-hmm. in your family. Um, and, and so whether it's a vagina or a fanny or the middle hole, if you've done sexuality education with your kids, boys have two holes and girls have three holes. Mm. And the middle hole is the hole that the baby comes out of. And boys don't have babies because they don't have a middle hole. Yeah. And that might be all they need to know at this point. If they want to know more, they'll ask you more. But you don't have to go into how the sperm got to the egg and blah, 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 unless you get, um, obviously by the age of eight, they need to know that. Because if they had, haven't learned that by the age of eight, they will hear it on the playground or they'll find out on the internet. Mm. But um, you generally go with as much as your child can handle. And if you can make it personal about who they are, they will be far more interested. Um, and the same goes with death. You know, if somebody's died, um, you can talk about that particular person. And, you know, the fact that everybody dies eventually. Some people die because they get sick. Some people have accidents. And some people die because they get old. Mm. And that's all they need to know at the age of five. Mm. Yeah. Those are age-appropriate conversations and also finding a way to not let your own discomfort, for whatever reason, <laughs> around any matter, not to let that get in the way of uh, answering your child's questions, right? Because I think that speaks to a- another point that you that you do make about keeping your children's sense of curiosity alive. If your own awkwardness sort of shuts down your ability to talk, um, you don't want that cascading into shutting down a child's curiosity around a whole area of inquiry. Well, if we think back to feeling uncomfortable and the questioning model, um, if your child asks how they were born, you can say, well, how do you think you were born? To find out first what their level of understanding is. Mm. So that's a good starting point. Either they know nothing or they might have heard something from somebody else Mm. and they might have an idea and then you've got a thread to build onto. So that can also work. And we have to be patient with children. And when we try to lead them in this, um, you know, curiosity cycle, is perhaps give them hints. 
um, and help them to figure out that answer for themselves. And, you know, we're, we need to satisfy their, their curiosity, but the trick is almost to barely satisfy their curiosity so that they ask more, so that they want to know more, so that you don't give them everything in one shot. So curiosity really grows with your child and it also grows their wisdom and their intelligence. And curiosity always challenges asking why or why not. And it helps children entertain other points of view. Mm-hmm. And I always say that curiosity is the antidote to fear. You know, there's a lot of fear in life. And if we're curious, it can dissolve the fear. Mm. And I think if we think about older children, so now you're talking the teenagers, where we have to start getting into conversations about fake news and being curious and asking a lot of questions and double-checking things on the Internet, not just believing you know, what they see on social media mm-hmm. and explaining to them the echo chamber that we live in, that you'll be fed more of the same. That's an important part of making sure your children are curious and use their critical thinking. Mm. But then let's turn to something very different on the curiosity scale. Daydreaming and allowing the mind to wonder. That is actually very important. And I was thinking about this in preparation for this discussion and how we keep putting our, keep our children busy and we keep putting them into group activities because we think that boredom and being alone is a bad thing. Sure. And actually having opportunities to be bored and to allow the mind to wonder is a very important part of keeping the mind curious. And there are many stories and there's a, there's a brilliant book called Stealing Fire, which is really a business person's book. And There are so many stories of some of the top CEOs in the world who take themselves off to Africa Burn here in South Africa Mm. or to Burning Man in America, where they're in the middle of the Nevada desert or the Karoo with these huge sculptural works of art and lots of uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll, I think, by the sounds of things. (laughs) Um, But what what they say is that taking yourself away from work, away from the doing, actually allows your mind to wonder. And in fact, they talk about, um, I was reading something else the other day uh, about a particular educator who says the best place for ideas is in bed, on the bus, or in the bath. (laughs) And that would be the equivalent of going to Burning Man or Africa Burn Mm -hmm. for our children is to and for us even, is to allow our minds to wonder without having to do anything. Yeah. And, you know, Nikki, speaking of that time to the time giving or allowing children or giving children that space to, um, you know, allow their minds to wonder, you must encounter children who are hyper scheduled. It's yes. school. It's extramural activities, it's extra lessons, and then it's homework, and then it's whatever family activity that must be done and dinner eaten together and perhaps even chores. And by the time the child gets into bed, they've probably not had a moment to themselves. Mm. How often are parents guilty of hyper-scheduling their kids, over-scheduling their kids so that you know, this child doesn't even have a moment yeah. uh, to, 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 to daydream a, and wonder. 
very, very prevalent thing. It's hugely prevalent today because parents want their children to have more than they had and they want to give their children the best start in life and they feel guilty that they're not around enough so they schedule their children they schedule their day so that they're never alone they're never bored they're never left to their own devices (laughs) and so there's definitely some good in that as long as you balance it with other 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 opportunities where your children actually learn how to entertain themselves when they are at home. Um, And you can also play a role in this when you put them to bed at night. So instead of reading a bedtime story, why don't you create a bedtime story with your children where you each um, add something to the story and you keep the story going and we use our imagination and we use our curiosity to create some weird and wild and wonderful stories. So letting that mind wonder, allowing your children to say wacky things, to add wacky um, elements to the story. It doesn't necessarily have to make sense. So using that sense of imagination and um, thinking out of the box is also part of allowing your children to utilize their curiosity. Sure. And obviously a big focus of the work that you do is to quote <laughs> the title of one of your books, you know, Future Proofing Your Child. Yeah, uh, and of absolutely. course, you talk about the importance of this, just in case parents weren't sold to begin with. You talk about why curiosity is an essential attitude to have in a fast changing world. Um, just say that, you know, just uh, yeah. repeat that for us and give us a sense of why that's okay. important. So although the question why can really drive you nuts at times, please celebrate it as a sign of your child's inquiring mind and that your child is actively engaged because curiosity is a wonderful precursor to original thought and that's what the world needs most right now to solve really critical problems and you just have to think about climate change as one of those critical problems that needs solving and that we are going to need children who can think outside the box who can ask really big questions and start coming up with great solutions to some of the world's biggest problems. So let's future-proof them by keeping their curiosity intact. Mm, Absolutely. So, Nikki, we also, of course, have our usual toy review. And uh, today's uh, toy review is Dizzy Donkey by Orchard Toys. (laughs) Tell us about that one. This is a really cute game, and it's one of those charades-type games, a hilarious family fun game that will really be enjoyed by adults and children alike. And you can act, or you can describe in words, or you can even draw, depending on which version you decide to play of this game. So if you're the player that collects the most pairs of donkey cards before the donkey reaches the carrot, you're going to be the winner. So interestingly, this has a little playing board, and um, in, <laughs> there are these little donkey cards that are so cute. They're, they're blue and they're yellow, with these very funny donkey faces on them. When you turn them over, they've got feelings or actions like feeling sick or sad or impatient or bossy. Mm -hmm. And then the blue cards have got things like a cowboy or a dog or a king or a tortoise. So I have to act being an impatient king. That's the the, the set of cards that I've just drawn. Mm -hmm. Or I have to act, act like 
a sick cowboy. <laughs> so you can see the humor in this Absolutely. or a bored witch. And depending on which cards you draw, there's many, many combinations. So players take turns to pick up a, a combination of cards. And if we were doing the acting one, um, we could act and we could speak, but we can't say the words that are on the cards. And so we might be doing a sneezing chicken or a hungry penguin or even a tired penguin. And everybody else has to guess. And if they guess correctly, we get to keep the cards. And there are two different cards that are in this um, this uh, game. The one is the um, the spin card. And if somebody turns over a spin card, everybody has to get up and spin around and sit down. Mm-hmm. And if somebody picks up the Eeyore card, then everybody has got to shout out Eeyore and make donkey ears above their heads. And every time an Eeyore card is is um, turned over that little donkey on the playing board moves forward a step once the donkey reaches the end of the playing board that's the end of the game and that's when you count up who's got the most donkey cards Mm -hmm. so this is from orchard toys it's a magnificent range british designed and manufactured and it's available from timelesstoys.coza at a fabulous price of 249 rand. And uh, this would be great for children from five right through to adult. And if you go on to nickybush.com, click on toy reviews under the blog section, you'll be able to see a, a little video as well and see my toy review. So Dizzy Donkey by Orchard Toys and Timeless Toys actually stocks the entire range of Orchard Toys, which I have read recommended for years absolutely sounds like a lot of fun for the whole family i must say though the prospect of charades oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) so challenging (laughs) but that's the whole point right (laughs) maybe you need a glass of wine before you play (laughs) or two (laughs) nikki bush always a pleasure thanks so much um for that conversation and of course uh if you have any possible topics or future topics that you'd like Nikki to unpack, something that you want to deal with um, uh, perhaps in your own family, something that you're curious about in terms of parenting and guiding your kids, do drop us an email, refilo at 702.co.today and we'll see uh, when and how Nikki can incorporate it into our conversations. Got a uh, got a WhatsApp here asking about um, a doll that Nikki mentioned a few weeks ago um, and I think what you might be answering, uh, what you might be uh, asking about or alluding to is mini land dolls uh, the mini land dolls there let me know if that sounds familiar to you otherwise just give us more description around that uh, toy and we'll be able to get you the correct answer but yeah do drop us an email refilo at 702.co.za um, with uh, any topic suggestions that you'd like Nikki to unpack or to deal with in the weeks to come we really really would like to address any specific issues or considerations that you have to uh, keep into that you have to take into account 